Only in Shaitim Perek Zayin. So we discussed the dream that Gideon had heard the soldiers of Midian recounting about the Lechem Sa'irim, the barley bread which had rolled into the camp of Midian and overturned the tents. And the resolution or the explanation of the dream was the Kherav of Gideon ben Yayash that Hashem has given into his hands Midian and the whole Machaneh. Now we asked, like, why would the soldier be thinking like that? They were a vastly superior force. Gideon's army was just a small collection of 300 people. So why would they even be imagining that this would be a, a possibility that Gideon would win this war? So there's, a, there's an interesting sideline to the dream. And that is, it doesn't talk anywhere in the dream about the people of the camp. It talks about the tents. That this, the, this body bed rolled into the camp of Median and it hit the tent and the tent fell over. It hit the tent and the tent overturned. Where are the soldiers? Where are the people? So, let me share with you a secret in interpreting dreams. A secret we learned from Yosef Hasadik. Yosef was also asked to interpret dreams. The one dream was the dream of the butler, and was the dream of the baker. And we know that Yosef interprets the dreams in opposite fashions. In the case of the butler, he says, come three days, and you'll once again be squeezing the grapes and preparing the cup of pie. And it comes to the baker, so Yosef tells him, um, three days, you're no longer going to be here, you're going to get killed. And the Mephoshim discussed many of them. What was the hint in the dream that Yosef saw that led him to the conclusion that the baker is going to get killed or the battle is going to be returned to his position? There's more than one answer to the question. Maybe there's more than one thing that Yosef saw in the dream. But one of the Mephoshim, one of the ways Mephoshim explained it, and that is that there's a very telling difference between the two dreams. In the case of the battle, the dream was that he saw himself preparing the cup for Paris. In the case of the battle, the, the baker, I'm sorry, he saw the three baskets of bread in his head, Saleh and Reishi, and the birds were eating them. Now, why does that point of the birds add to the dream? So, what Joseph saw, is that normally, if there's a person, birds are scared. Birds don't come to where people are. They're naturally scared of people. They fly away from people. If the birds were eating the bread out of the basket, that means they didn't see the person there. And that's why they weren't scared to come down and take bread from his basket. And therefore, what Joseph saw in the dream is that the man's not there. Maybe the, the, the baker dreamt that he was carrying the basket, but he saw from the birds didn't see a person. They just saw the bread. Which is why they came down to eat the bread. And therefore, Yosef understood that if in the case of the dream, the person is non-existent, it doesn't feature, it must be a sign that something's going to happen to the person. And that's why he told the baker, you're going to get killed. That was the, what Yosef interpreted into the dream. Now, in a similar context, we find here about the dream of the Zalechim Sairim. There's a camp of Midian. There are all the tents and the, the buildings or whatever they were that made up the camp of Midian. 
and the skills are in Kaimans up to overturning tents. And where are the people? What do they do? They don't feature in the dream. And if that's the case, it's the same idea. It's because they're no longer there. When, they, when there's an absence of the person in the dream, it means it doesn't count anymore. And therefore, here also, the interpretation of the dream was, well, obviously, something's going to happen to all the people of Midian because in the dream of the camp, when it was teaming with Midianese soldiers, like we said, as many as the sands on the seashore, and that had a feature, you just see an empty camp, it means that the people have, something's happened to them. And therefore, it was a symbol, it was a signal to them that Midian's going to lose the war. Okay, so that's what he tells them. And he says, it must be that Hashem's given Midian his Kalamach into Gidon's hand, and that's why we don't see people in the dream. The people are no longer there. Which is uh, simply a principle when it comes to dream interpretation. Anyway, Vayi Kishmoy holding a positive as well. Vayi Kishmoy, Gidon is misbarachalom. Does the Rabbi ever get asked to interpret dreams? What is Gidon too? Vayi Kishmoy, Gidon is misbarachalom. Vayi in other words, if you wanted the sign that Akadosh Baruch was helping him, you wanted the sign that he was going to be victorious, and he understood that this was the sign. Akadosh Baruch had already put fear into the hearts of Midian, and therefore, as he did, Vayashal Machni Israel. He goes back to the Jewish camp, Vayaymer. Kumu, get up. It was one of the night, remember? He says, Get up, Kinos Nashem Biyetcham Ismachni Midian. Hashem has given the camp of Midian to your hands. Now he had 300 people, so how does he ready them for battle? He divides the 300 people into three groups. He gave each of them shapers and he gave them empty barrels or empty containers with a, a torch, a fire torch inside the container. And the idea of putting it in the container was that way they couldn't see the fire. If, if you've covered the fire with something like a, like a little like a pot or a barrel, so it's dark. So that's the way they approach the Machin Midian. He says, What well, I do, you'll do the same. I'm going to get to the edge of the camp of Midian. He repeats it twice. And therefore, what I'm going to do, you're going to watch me, you're going to do the same. But if they divide it up into three, how are they going to see that? Right, so explains. So I'm going to first blow in the Shaifa and the people who are with me in my group. And then, and then when I'm the shepherd, you're going to also blow your shepherds on the other sides of the camp because they're divided into three groups. Okay. What does that mean? We'll see in the That's their battle cry. That's their battle cry. But why they chose Dafka um, those words, we'll see in, when you get to the, how it's actually played out. Gidon is telling them to say this. Right. So Gideon and 100 people with him come to the edge of the camp. At the beginning of the middle watch. Now we know from the Gemara in Barachas that there's a Machlaikas how many Mishmaris are at night. Right, if they're three or they're four. This is the Raya the Gemara gives that there's three because talking about the Mishmaris Atichayna, the middle one. But then the Gemara's answer for Rebbe is it's one of the middle ones. Either way around, the idea of the watch, here I wasn't talking about something spiritual, it was very simple. They had God's watch in the camp. The guards of the camp. And each of the watches means the God's changed. So this was at the beginning of the watch of the God's who had just arrived and the previous God's who just left. And that's what it says, Ach, okay, They had just taken the old God's that gotten up and the new God's were coming. So it was like the beginning of the watch was in between the, the two God's, which explains why they weren't aware of the fact that all these 
uh, soldiers were approaching them. You know, when Gideon came the first time, quietly, just with his nerve, so then maybe the, 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 they could escape detection by the guards. But when you come with 100 people, it's much harder to avoid being noticed. And therefore, it worked at a time that was in between the watchers and the guards who were leaving, the guards were coming, and as a result, they didn't realize that all the Jewish people had approached their camp. Okay, now, what's another interesting point to remember is Gideon's plan was to come on to Midian from all different sides. That's why he divided uh, his forces into different groups, which, so they would feel that they would be attacked from every angle. If that's the case, you have to ask the question, why didn't he divide his forces into four? If he really is trying to surround the camp of Midian, why did he even just three sides? Why well, I mean, you could, it's more likely that there were different directions, and if that's the case, we want to have completely encircled them. It would be more logical to have a fourth, a fourth part of the uh, force as well, we would completely surround them. But we learn a rule from this. The Gemara says that even when you surround an enemy, you need them in escape route. And if you only surround from three sides, they have somewhere to run. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they'll fight back harder. Right. And that's Do what we know this, right? The Gemara says, it's Oh, they used to surround the enemy, they used to give them a, a, like a humanitarian passage. They used to give them a way out, so that they wouldn't be completely surrounded. Why? So, number one, to, it would, uh, like Rabbi Sok said correctly, when people are trapped, they fight more. When they have a place to run, they're more likely to run. Yeah, but you can annihilate them. It's much harder. It's easier well, to... They escape, they'll fight next day. And when you're chasing somebody, it's easier to fight them. They're trying to defend their territory and fight. I've given a number of times. It's easier to pursue a running, fleeing army than to an army which has entrenched itself and is trying to well, fight because there's nothing else they can do. But besides that, the Mashmaz of the Gemara is that there's also a halakhic point here, and that is if we give them an opportunity to escape. And this is one of the nations that we have to destroy, like uh, Amalek or the seven nations of Canaan. So if they want to run and surrender, we let them, we give them the option. Okay, so that's what you're going to do. He's come from three different directions. And what does he do? And so he says, Bayitko Bashiparas, the Gideon his uh, his forces with him, brother Shafritz, but Nafit Sakadama Shabiyan they smash the barrels which they're holding, so then suddenly you can seal the fire. And when Gideon's group does it, the others do the same. Bayitko Shlashi Sarajim Bashiparas, so the three all the three forces the shefaris vayish for akadim, and they smash the barrels, and therefore vayachazuk biyat smolim balapidim vayadimim ha'shefaris itkay. And they hold the shefaris on the one hand, in the right hand to blow, and they have the lapidim in the left hands, which is just basically just like a fire everywhere. Vayikru charev Hashem legedon. It's a little bit different than what he told them to say. And he said Hashem legedon, and they said charev Hashem legedon. So we have to explain the difference. What 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 was what the battle cry meant, and why they shouted that. Now what what happens? What else do they do? They stayed in their places around the camp. And now the result that there was in the camp. So the entire uh, army of Midian runs. means they also they they raise their voices. true. Vayanusu, or Vayanusu, they read it and they ran away. So there was a, basically the, it caused panic. Uh, as you saw, 
Let's remember something. Gideon wasn't armed. The Jewish army didn't have, didn't have weapons. And that's because all they could do is they could make a lot of noise. They could blow shofars, they could smash barrels, they could like, wave fire around. They couldn't do anything else. They didn't have more than that. But that was enough. It had the effect of... It had the effect of... Scaring the Machina Midian. He married the Oran. Didn't Midian know that they didn't have it? Probably Midian did know that. That was part of the nest. You know, there's nothing happened which was which should have scared uh, the Machina Midian. The fact that they had, uh, the Gideon's army had advanced and there weren't a significant amount of people, there were 300 people. Oh, so you three, if you see 300 flashlights and say, well, what's, what's going on here? It's no, because it, it looked like there's 300 battalions attacking. Each battalion would have a chauffeur and, and, and a torch. It wasn't all together. It wasn't three But again, so even if that's the case, we're talking about a, a very big army. They didn't even put up a resistance. Right, we didn't even put up a resistance. They just turned it around. Vayisku shloshmeshesh forest, and so what would Gideon's army do? They just keep blowing the shofar. That's what they could do. Vayashem Hashem is cherev ishbere eyu. We find out they can't stop killing each other. And the entire army, or those who survive each other, um, run until Abu Mukhaira, which is by the dip, which is, you know, Abu Mukhaira, it's by the midbar. So they had been in the middle of Israel, in the middle of Israel, and they ran basically to the end of Israel. Now, the, the, the question here is, there's one thing to get up and run. Why did they start killing each other? Hashem, so to speak, caused them to kill each other. Now, there's an explanation. This is the Machlokes in the Mepharshim. This goes back to the Sefer Four to explain what the battle cry was. There's Machlokes in the Mepharshim. Exactly what happened. The <coughs> the way that the Mitzvahs explains it is that the 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 point of the battle cry the point of the battle cry was to make them think that they were armed and they would say kharab lashem means raise your thoughts to lashem and that way the the they would hope to confuse the medianim into thinking that they have swords Right. And uh, the Midianim were afraid because they thought maybe the Jews are armed, which they didn't take into consideration, didn't think that would happen. Which is, uh, would add to the, maybe the panic or the confusion, right, because that wasn't uh, something which they had expected. Which is also the Talmud explains it, even in the first possible, it just says, Lashem Melegedon, in Pasukit Ches, the Talmud adds the words, Kharbud and Miktalim Kalim Hashem, the Kharif. Which will kill from us. In other words, that they had swords. In try and, so to speak, act as if they had swords. And therefore, that would be the that would be the one the one option uh, to explain to explain what Gideon was doing. The other way, which is um, the, the more accurate, maybe just the more pastious reason, the Targum Rashi quotes, and that is Charev de Mitali Mikadam Hashem v'Nitzchanan de Gideon. Which Rashi quotes just the words the Targum means that not that they had swords, but it's Kilo Hashem sword. That Hashem sword will, the Hashem sword will fight the guy, and the victory will be forgiven. In other words, not exactly the opposite. Not that Gideon had a sword, he didn't. But that uh, it's Kilo Hashem will be the one to 
use his sword against them, and uh, the victory will be credited together. Now, what this is interesting is because what happened next is not just that they ran, but in the mayhem of the confusion what was going on, they started killing each other. Why would they do that? So obviously, in the in the chaos that was happening, each one thought that whoever else has a sword, maybe his name, they didn't recognize each other, whatever it was. So they made they caused them to start killing each other. Now, if you're going to learn the chat, that just because they saw that the Jews have swords, so then everyone to see with the sword is potential. Maybe he's one of the enemy with the sword. So it's going to cause a lot of killing between themselves. But on the other chat, that there was a chayav Hashem then we find this in Mitzrayim as well. It's an interesting thing that uh, the Makim Mitzrayim B'chorayim, like the Pasuk says, that Hashem will hit the Mitzrayim with the Arm B'chorayim. And we know that uh, when Pari refused that Zayish shall go, even though he was warned there's going to be Makas B'chorayim, we know that Chazal tell us the B'chorayim mutinized. Right, it was an uprising. And the point was, that was the Chayim. Where, where do we find Hashem used the Chayim against Mitzrayim? The Kherav of Mitzrayim, which Hashem turned against them. That's called Kherav Lashem. It's not Hashem is to stand down a sword from Shemaim, but the fact that Hashem can use people's swords against them is how Hashem uses the Kherav. And saying over here, Kherav Lashem would be that Hashem's sword is the swords of Midian themselves. He'll, he'll just turn that against them. Like the Bible says, Tove Kharbam Bekirbam, like Hashem says in Tishabah, and Hashem will turn their swords into them. That uh, will be a, he'll use their swords to, to, find, to, to destroy themselves. And imagine that's what happens. The fact that because in the ensuing chaos that each one started killing the other one, so imagine that was the Khair of Hashem, which that was the sword that Hashem used, the sword of the Midyarim to attack the Midyarim. And uh, what happens? So that's the first point. The Midyarim run away, they leave in chaos, mayhem, uh, whatever, wounded and killed soldiers of their own behind them. And now, and once he starts to run, once uh, Israel, who have all been, remember, when Gideon sent most of his army back, and they remained in the hills, like we saw in the passage before, and now obviously the pandemonium of seeing the Midianim run brought them all back again. So now they all joined the chase after Midian. And once that happens, and Gideon sent messengers ahead to Har Ephraim and said, cut off their escape route. The Midianim were running again from the middle of Israel towards the Yarden, towards the desert to, get, to try and escape. And therefore Gideon sends people to Har Ephraim to tell them to run. Har Ephraim is nearer the Yarden. They would kind of cut them off basically and block the crossings of the Yarden. Now this is trapped by the water, and therefore, Kaya shall do to that, and they, ca- they capture the crossing points of the ra- Yarden, which means that the Midianim are not trapped near Israel, they can't cross the Yarden of Israel. They capture the two Sarim of Midian. It's interesting, we'll see. Midian had two Sarim, and Midian had two kings. So the two Sarim of Midian were called Erev and Zev. So they capture both them. Vayelkut vayargos oirev mitzur oirev v'seiv hargo b'yakiv zev. So each one was in. Oirev and seiv were their sarim. Yeah, oirev and zev were their names. It's interesting that they're both the names of animals, but yeah. uh, 
And each one's captured in his own territory. So they captured Erev in the Tzur of Erev, in the mountains in his, of his place. And Zev they killed in Yekev, Zev in the winepress of, of, of Zev. And then they chased them to Midian, which was back to with the, the, the remainder of the army towards where they came from, from Midian. And they bring the heads of Erev and Zev together from every So this was a this complete the conquest. The Mashmah says that these two Sarim weren't part of the war. That's why they when they captured them, they captured them in their own territories, which were on the other side of the island, and uh, they brought them back to Gidon while they were chasing the rest of Moab or the rest of Midian back to Midian. It talks about the two Sarim which Erev and Zev, and then Zev and Samuna, and we're going to see in the next paragraph with the two kings of Midian. So, when Dover Melech is talking there about Hashem should do to our enemies, he references the war of Gilan, and he says Hashem should do to them like he did to Zev and Zev and Zev and Samuna. The two Sarim and the two kings. Um, that Midian had. So, so the, the Jewish Nei Sarnel, right? 